Welcome to the Radical Reformers podcast. I'm Andrew Laird. This podcast is by public service leaders for current and future public service leaders. If you would like to hear what the ministers and politicians are thinking, then there are numerous other podcasts where you can tune in to find out what their latest thoughts are. This podcast is about the inspirational people designing and leading frontline public services. This is about the people who do the real work. On the podcast, you'll hear from leaders from councils, from within the NHS and other public services, and also those involved in policy development. I particularly try and find people who have interesting stories to tell and have achieved really difficult things in challenging circumstances and who have learned lessons along the way and who are keen to share those lessons with others. Because as I think as we all know, public service leaders are not prone to shout about their achievements, but it is really important, especially now with so much pressure on public services, that those leaders do share the lessons that they have learned about what works and what indeed does not work. So I hope you enjoy it and don't forget to subscribe on the website or follow us on LinkedIn or Twitter to make sure you don't miss any future episodes. And indeed, you might want to catch up on some of the previous episodes. This week's episode is with Isabel Hunter. Isabel is the Chief Executive of Libraries Connected, which is the Arts Council England-funded umbrella organisation for libraries in the UK. Anyone who knows me knows I'm a huge fan of libraries, and particularly the modern library service, which plays such an important community support role and supports critical public services like children's social care and adult social care. As Isabel and I discuss on the podcast, you could be forgiven for thinking that libraries are in a state of terminal decline, but that is very much not the case and we discuss a whole range of exciting initiatives that libraries are leading on, and also a number of key policy agenda items such as levelling up and family hubs, where libraries are playing an incredibly important supporting role. There's no escaping the pandemic, unfortunately, and we do talk about how libraries have played a key role there, supporting digital inclusion and helping young families with children in particular to attend classes like Rhyme Time. And finally, we talk about Libraries Connected's role as the bridge between central government and Arts Council in England and what's happening on the front line within councils and within the wider libraries community and I think one of Isabel's key achievements and Libraries Connected's key achievements is the success of which they have made sure that libraries are being talked about as a key element of the government's policy agenda. So that's all from me and let's get over and hear directly from Isabel. Isabel, you're really welcome to the Radical Reformers podcast. You and I have known each other for a good few years now, but for the benefit of our listeners, could you say a little bit about who you are? Hi, so I'm um, Isabel. I'm the Chief Executive of Libraries Connected, and we're the membership body for public libraries in England, Wales, Northern Ireland, and the Crown Dependencies. The Crown Dependencies, well, okay. <laughs> and, and before you did that, so I mean, how, how long have you been doing that role? and, and what were you doing before that? Um, so I've been in the role for um, 
over four years now. So I was the first chief exec when the organisation transitioned from a member body to a an organisation with a staff team. Um, and then before that, I've had a career of uh, two halves. So first half of my career, I trained as an archivist and I worked in uh, yeah with some amazing collections, National Gallery, Welcome Trust, Marks and Spencers. I had yeah. boxes of pants, which was great. Um, <laughs> and then... Um, so that was for about 15 years. And then I moved to work for sector development organisations. So Museum Libraries and Archives Council, Arts Council, the National Archives in sort of sector leadership and development roles. Um, and that led me to Libraries Connected. Great. There is actually a very close connection between libraries and archives. And I know some of the services we've worked with cover both. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, they're very closely, closely combined. Most archives sit within libraries and they're the kind of specialist uh, collections, if you like. Um, but I guess what's common to both of them and, and the bit that I really, the bit that really got, got me was the, the, the people bit. So that kind of excitement you see when people open up the box of archives and find something really meaningful to them, something very personal or something really relevant to their research. So, yeah. so and, and you know, libraries are all about, all about people and millions of people who come in through the doors of libraries every year and the way it changes their lives in small ways and big ways. Yeah. So it's that interface with people, interface with yes. people and stuff and knowledge is the bit that's always, always driven me. And just, uh, and it's, it, it'll be relevant to listeners, I think, because I think there's quite a few, uh, well, at least there's one program I can think of. I think it's called Who Do You Think You Are? Where, Obviously, archives are playing a huge role there. So, yeah, it's very, very interesting. But the focus of our conversation today is is not archives. It's it's libraries. So you're the chief executive of Libraries Connected. Um, so Libraries Connected do not directly provide services to the public, but you're in, in a way an umbrella organization. Can you say a bit more about the specific role that you play? Yeah, so we're, we're a membership body, an umbrella organisation. Uh, we're also funded by Arts Council as the sector support organisation for England. So we think of ourselves as the kind of voice of public libraries. Um, our members are every single library service across that geographical area. And we're very close to our members. We have a sort of ongoing daily dialogue with them online and, and in person and through meetings. So we're very, very close to them. Um, so part of part of our role is is being the voice for them, advocacy into government and with key uh, national partners and funders. Um, we're also looking at how can we support development. So what training programs can we develop? What research can we uh, foster that that helps their cause? How can we really help them um, innovate? And I think the sort of driving force of all our work is about the expertise and the skills that's there in the sector. So how can we, our role, as our name suggests, Libraries Connected, our role is absolutely about how do we connect that and sort of capitalise on all that expertise and skill and uh, dedication in the sector? How do we build on that? You know, our belief that all the knowledge we need, you know, or not all the knowledge we need, but a great deal of knowledge we need is there in the sector. So we want to make the most of it, really building on that. No, I think it, it is a very important role and one that uh, through my own work, I, I can see the value of that link between what central government is trying to do and, you know, it, it, we'll come on to this in a bit more detail later, that exact role, but being that link, but as well as being a kind of a coordinating support organisation as well, I think for a sector such as libraries, where there's a huge amount of appreciation for libraries, but 
and this is really one of my next questions. For a lot of people, I think out there, they might think that libraries are a bit antiquated in something that, um, you know, if, if you look at some of the press coverage, you could be forgiven for thinking that libraries are in terminal decline. And I know that not to be the case. But can you tell us from your experience and your, your connection to the sector a little bit about the state of libraries in, in the country? Yeah, it is unfortunately a kind of easy press story, I think, or easy media story that, oh, libraries are in decline. We love them, but, um, but that's certainly not the case. I think libraries have, um, have found a real new purpose and, you know, that's never more clear than during the pandemic and the work they've done over the pandemic. Um, so, you know, many libraries are the heart of their communities. People are coming in to borrow books in great numbers and, and reading um, uh, e-books electronically. They're also enjoying a whole range of activities, everything from um, rhyme times, which are really key for children's early language development and, and um, uh, mother's mental health. Is that um, a class where you do, is that like a class thing or what is it? Yeah, so they, most libraries run these. They're kind of part of the bread and butter of the library programme, yeah. rhyme times and story times. So you go along for maybe half an hour. 45 minutes and have a kind of sing along session um, or, or reading from from, you know, performance from a library book where the, the um, audience joins in as well. So, you know, during lockdown, when many, many babies who are now, you know, two over two years old, many babies, the only um, voices they've heard have been of their own family. So, you know, it's it's uh, many young children's language development's been impaired by the experience of lockdown. So things like rhyme time where you're in a group, you're with other voices, um, you're having a session that is all about language and listening and interaction. You know, they're they're more important than ever, I think. Um, So they were one of the first activities that libraries have have brought back as lockdown's been been eased. But libraries are also offering um, job seeker support. Many libraries have now got business and information um, centres to help people starting up new businesses. Um, they've got sessions that help connect older people and help with uh, dementia and mental health. So it's a whole wide range of services. Um, and at the heart of it, it's that role, it's this connect word again, it's that role of libraries to connect people together um, into the world of information and knowledge. And a really, really important role in building um, social connections and, and social capital in communities. So this is extremely interesting, and it's clearly not just about books, although books and reading and gaining knowledge is a really important part of it. There's a huge amount more there around supporting communities, providing that hub where people can come together, where parents can get a bit of respite maybe from a rhyme time class or something, or maybe maybe parents actively engage in it as well and really enjoy it. But it's it's the... It's the idea that a library, inverted commas, is much more than just that traditional idea that a lot of people might have. You know, it's really interesting to wind back, um, you know, as an archivist, I do like a bit of history. <laughs> so I can sometimes take, take the long view. So when I was reading about the debates around public libraries in the 1830s and 40s, uh, the first public library act was in 1850s. So some of the debates, you know, it's really interesting to see how, they resonate with some of our concerns today. So there was a great concern about 
these big new industrial cities and the plight of the um, industrial, recently industrialised working class, how could they get access to knowledge and information? How could they have access to, you know, worthwhile, useful activities rather than just going down the gin palace at the end of the road? Yeah. How could they form meaningful connections in their communities? Um, you know, how could the library be a place where you could go and access uh, newspapers um, and have debates and discussions, lectures, um, enter the world of ideas and work together on that? So I think right from the, you know, right from the start of the public library movement in the UK, there's been this idea that, yes, it is about books, it is about reading, and it's also about all the social connections, that wealth of social connections um, and that individual journey of enrichment that, that you make around that and, and in that space and around that world of ideas so yeah. really, you know really fascinating stuff yes. and I'm very interested in the work there's an amazingly readable American sociologist called Eric Klinenberg whose books are just chock full of stories really easy to read and he's done an awful lot of work about libraries um, his focus is on um, social infrastructure in communities and he's compared, um, he's looked at areas, how, how they cope after major national, um, natural disasters like the New Orleans flood or a major yeah. heat wave. And what he's discovered is that communities that have, have very good social connections, very good social infrastructure, weather these storms, weather these things much better than those without. Um, so he, he's done a lot of work looking at libraries as one of those really key institutions that build social infrastructure and builds those meaningful connections between people and in communities. So there's a very clear link here, which we'll talk about later on leveling up communities mm. and the people side of that. But also something which just springs to mind is the government's policy around family hubs, where mm. they have a policy now where they're going to be investing in areas to develop what they call family hubs, which is exactly mm. what it says in the tin. And I think certainly a number of areas I've spoken to are planning to use their library network as part of the hub and spokes of the family hub. So outreach, physical locations and, and also virtual where they can provide, where they can channel some of those family services through. Yeah, exactly. Um, and we're also doing um, a, a project with local government association at the moment with eight library services um, and looking at their connections to family hubs. So I think it's you know really great that councils are seeing this potential of libraries. The fact that physically they're there in communities is an amazing physical network. But even yeah. more than that, that you know people may be a bit nervous or reluctant coming into somewhere that says. Family hub, I'm having family problems pasted yeah. over the door. But they are comfortable to come into libraries. That's so a really good point, actually. That that branding and that, let's call it a stigma, perhaps, of walking mm -hmm. into somewhere which is clearly there to provide support. The kind of neutral venue of a library could be really powerful, actually. And I think, I think the councils that have kept their investment in libraries and kept libraries open i think they're they're going to be reaping the benefit as you have said as we emerge hopefully from the pandemic and rebuild i think the local areas that have that social infrastructure and social capital already in place will be able to bounce back much quicker yeah and we you know we we, we know this works because i visited one library and they were saying um that was in in a particular branch in quite a deprived area on a, a new estate with lots of um, 
young mums that were probably finding it quite quite tough being a being a young mum. But they they had really good round time going. The, the women attending that formed quite a close knit group. And then those women said, look, why can you help us here? Could we have a session where you bring in health visitors and um, people to advise us on benefits and you know various other of those um, contingent support things? So yeah. they're able to then have these sessions, you know, that because the the women had felt so comfortable in the library. They were then yeah. requesting, can you help us with this support? So I think, you know, when, when libraries get it right, there's this, you know, massive potential to bring in extra support and, and really help people thrive in that way. Yeah. I just want to come back to a point you mentioned around rhyme time in particular and how that supports the development of children. There's one of my previous guests, Cathy Evans, who's the chief executive of Children England, raised mm-hmm. the problem of I think she focused mostly on physical development, where children who, you know, toddlers who were uh, would normally have space to walk around were, ex- were existing in very small environments and actually not physically developing the way that they would have hoped to. So that whole point of libraries being a support mechanism for the mental development of mm-hmm. children as well, I think, is is really important and maybe one that not not everyone would appreciate. Yeah, so I think that there's a very interesting study um, a few years ago, um, University of Essex, working with Essex Library Service, looking at the impact of rhyme times on maternal and child health. You know, really interesting findings. Um, so for the, for the mums, many of them at home, not working, feeling very isolated, coming out to rhyme time and joining in that activity that was positive for their children, okay. had a really positive effect on them, helped them make friends. And for the children as well, that um, skill in, in listening, especially listening to different voices, um, selection of books that have, uh, you know, rhymes that can help, designed to help with, with language development, you know, repeated sounds and the call and, and response. That's all really important. And also the social social thing about sitting in a group, you know, sitting still, listening, um, interacting with some of the other children and parents there, all that's you know, really, really invaluable. And it's that kind of stuff that, that many children and many families have been, been missing during lockdown. Um, you know, and teachers are reporting that children coming into reception classes are not as ready for school um, as they normally would be. So, you know, it's a serious, serious problem. And so the good old, good old rhyme time really, really can make a difference. Yeah, yeah. So that's one really good example of how libraries have supported people over the pandemic. But are there other examples that you've got that would demonstrate the real value of libraries? I mean, the the pandemic's been, you know, obviously an absolutely awful time, but it has also shown the, the real value of libraries. So, you know, when the doors had to close in March, I have to pause then. It seems like it's forever, isn't it? I mean, that's a very long time ago now, isn't it? It's just, it's, just like, yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, so the, the whole shift of library services online and the, the, the work by libraries to make sure that wasn't just a transactional thing, but there was that interaction there. So it was really interesting to watch library events evolving from simple performances at the start with, you know, rhyme time, story times, uh, you know, and then as the months wore on, then we saw things like um, knit and natter groups, book groups, um, all sorts of groups where people are engaging and discussing online. 
Um, but of course, the pandemic also showed the size of the digital divide and libraries really, really important work in, in uh, cl closing that gap. So in, in normal times, a really important part of the library service is the people's network and free computers, printers, um, free Wi-Fi in, in libraries. All that's really important. In the, the year before the pandemic, there were 26 million hours of Internet access provided through library computers. Um, and we know from surveys that much of that is for really essential things like applying for benefits, um, applying for jobs, um, medical information, so on and so forth. Yeah. So libraries got really important job through the library computers and also the work they do on digital inclusion. So helping people get online. Yeah, um, I want to I want to to ask you about that actually. Just some, something you were saying there was it Nitin Natter? Is that yeah. the thing? I just had I've just well, immediately popped up in my head with those really famous pictures of Tom Daly at the Olympics doing his knitting <laughs> up in the up in the crowd and actually maybe maybe. Knitting is making a making a comeback with people having more time over, over the the pandemic. Um, you you mentioned digital there, Isabel, and and I really want to talk about this because for successive governments, digital inclusion has been a really important agenda item, and I'd really like to talk about how libraries can support that because I think we often forget that not everyone has access to the internet at home or as a computer or or even a smartphone. Yeah, exactly. And then and then there are those that, that do have this who are maybe not, not confident, don't know how to do it. Um, so libraries have been really important in that. And I think because people trust trust libraries and trust the library staff, again, it gives them a, an in, a, a way to really help people. So through the pandemic, we saw libraries really putting the shoulder to the wheel in helping people get online. So things like developing ways of offering remote uh, digital support. So libraries have for years and years and years of, you know, you could go into a library if you don't know how to get online. A library will help you. They'll help you set up an email address, um, you know, help you navigate the Internet, help you gain those confidences. So they've developed ways of doing it remotely. So, for example, uh, with, with older people, one of the first things they teach them over the phone is how to use Zoom. Once they've got Zoom, they can then start teaching them how to use other other things um, on the computer. You know, we, we, Zoom has become so important to keep in touch with family, to have doctor's appointments, all sorts. So for many people, you know, libraries unlocking that, that yeah. ability to use Zoom, absolutely I, important. I, I think that that is so true. I just know that at the start of the pandemic, my wife and I were teaching our mums how to use Zoom, yeah. how to use MS Teams, how to use yeah. various things like that. And they were lucky enough to have us to show them but I, yeah. I guess a lot of people wouldn't yeah and it's also you know I've tried to teach my mum some of the things but it, it's a very skilled job to yeah how you do it you know my my mum gets in a bit of a twizzle and then I start getting stressed about it and we don't always get anywhere so. I, 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 <laughs> I recognize that, that entirely I had the same uh, it just makes me think of trying to get my mum on to Netflix as well <laughs> over the phone you know it's yeah. difficult so I think that the library stuff that got the skill and the and the patience and the knack to do that you know it's 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 incredible I, um, I learned very quickly that there must be a real skill to teaching I, I thought I could just explain it but teaching <laughs> is a different skill yeah it's a way of how do you get in the mindset of the person having problems and yes sort of really work out what you're getting stuck with yeah. Um, but the, we've also seen some really 
really innovative um, device vending schemes. And what, what's great about the library scheme is it's what I think of as a really wraparound scheme. So it's not just giving someone a, a laptop and let them get on with it. It's all right, we'll give you the laptop. It's got some data to get you started because, of course, data poverty is a massive, massive issue for a lot of people. Um, sometimes these things are really tailored. So, for example, uh, Shropshire Library was doing uh, a project with people, uh, job seekers. So they, they were lending tablets with um, data, with already with some resources and links loaded up around um, to support job seeking. Um, they link back to some of the um, Zoom sessions and group sessions that the library was offering. Um, so it, it's kept that relationship relationship live. And then as the library is able to reopen its doors and have more things offered on site, again, the, the resources they were offering through the tablet lending scheme was drawing people back into the library to access that ongoing support from um, yes. you know, some of the group sessions um, and the more um, extensive resources available in the library. So I think that the library digital support isn't what makes it different to other interventions. It's not just a kind of EUR Andrew is a bit digital support. See him. It's it's uh, the library is always there. Yeah. Um, so so as that individual evolves in skills, you know, they, they can move on with the library or if they get stuck, you know, there's more help available from the library. It's kind of there to really wrap around them and support them. But the same evolve. So, uh, I mean, already we've got libraries in their traditional role as being access to knowledge, to reading, to to discussion, but also now the, the key part that libraries play in an area is social capital, supporting yeah. families, but also supporting digital in- inclusion as well. So just, I mean, already from our discussion, I think people should be understanding the much wider and more impactful role that modern libraries have. Now, everyone associated with public policy right now is talking about levelling up. Um, At the time that we're speaking, the levelling up white paper has not been published yet, but we have had one round of levelling up fund funding, which um, was in the first half of last year. And uh, a key element of that was around culture. And libraries are very much in, included in that. So I think when a lot of people think about levelling up, they think about new roads, they think about a new bus station, they think about urban regeneration in a commercial sense. But mm-hmm. obviously very key to levelling up will be the human element of it. So I'd love your views and ideas on the role that libraries can play in levelling up. Obviously being following the... Uh, sort of discussion about levelling up really closely and the, as the thinking has evolved. So it's really good to see over the last few months there's been much, much more discussion about the social infrastructure and the human capital. Maybe when the whole discussion started, it was all about roads and railways, uh, whereas now it, it's also yeah. about, about the people, skills and social capital. Um, which is really great. So we're really pleased to see a really, really interesting work by the Bennett Institute in Cambridge University recently that really explored the importance of social capital. And again, why, why we love this paper was because um, libraries were written right through that as, you know, really as a primary um, uh, enabler of, of social infrastructure in, in communities. It's a really, really good piece of work. Um, so, yeah, we think libraries have got a really, really key role. And what's interesting, I think, is the way that we increasingly talk about 
libraries operating through three channels. So through their physical buildings, um, through digital channels and also out in communities. So through the, you know, they've got a really important role to play through these three channels in levelling up. And I had a great trip to uh, Barnsley um, a couple of months ago, which, you know, really, really interesting place to visit in terms of regeneration and levelling up and, you know, very ambitious council that, that's done some some great work there. And, and again, what was really exciting for me is to see how libraries are really written written into the heart of the the, the planning um so there's a whole there's a beautiful new urban square right next to the station next to the town hall with uh retail on one side a new indoor market and food court on one side entertainment cinema bowling alley on one side and the fourth side is the is this absolutely beautiful new library so you know that that really big big symbol there that the the libraries is is part of you know part of regen- physical regeneration and a way of really animating that new um, urban centre. But it's also in Barnsley written really closely into their ambitions about the digital economy and the, the you know really significant investment Barnsley's making in a new um, digital campus, digital media centre. And so that vision that the library for many people is that first is that gateway service. For people who can start from no digital skills or, or no digital confidence, they can come into the library, they can gain those skills, they can use the maker space and do, you know, 3D design, 3D printing. And from that, they can then graduate on through the digital campus, digital media centre and be part of this new, you know, growing economy, that digital economy that's growing across Yorkshire. So really, really integrated planning and, and really exciting to see the role of the library understood in that way. And it, yes. how it's a really important part of the glue that's holding the whole plan together. Indeed. And there is a, a growing support for libraries and the role that libraries play amongst MPs, particularly some of the new intake of MPs. So if we think um, some particularly influential people like Danny Kruger back in September 2020, mm-hmm. um, he was commissioned by the Prime Minister to write a report on how communities had responded to the pandemic and lessons mm-hmm. that could be learned. So his report is called Leveling Up Our Communities. It was in September 2020, and I think mm-hmm. at the time it was meant to be a reflection on the pandemic, but actually <laughs> there, there, was a, there was quite a bit of time to go. But it, uh, it talks a lot about libraries and the key, mm-hmm. the key role that a modern library service plays. And then yeah. that, that was followed up in October last year, a report that New Local, alongside the New Social Covenant, Danny Kruger's organisation, mm-hmm. New Local, obviously chaired by Donna Hall, who's also been a guest on the podcast. Um, that that was co-written by I think it was nine New Conservative MPs, mm-hmm. um, and it very much focuses on the importance of those local institutions like libraries and how important mm-hmm. they are. So there is real. I think cross-party political support for this and an opportunity to make libraries a really central part of levelling up. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think libraries are. Yeah, I think it's a, a time of opportunity for libraries. I mean, you know, the funding remains a challenge, um, as with every every public service. Um, but I think you know it's, it's very much up to us to, to work with libraries to really make the case and sort of ride this. Right, and, this wave of interest. Yeah, and and are you getting a sense that 
library services are being included in levelling up discussions locally? Um, I think it, I think it, it varies. So as I said, you know, Barnes is a great example where, you know, I didn't just meet with the, with the library team. I also met with the uh, digital campus team and with the, um, a fantastic guy leading the town centre regeneration. And, you know, they all got libraries completely. They were, yeah. you know, telling me how important they're on they board. Were. Yeah. yeah. So when, when that happens, when you get people across up and down and across the council, that that's fantastic. But I think there's often a structural problem for library heads of services, you know, as layers of management have, have been reduced. Heads of library services have often slipped down the, the hierarchy. Um, you know, and their, their directors have now got enormous portfolios and, 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 you know, it can be quite, they could be new to libraries. They don't necessarily understand it. So I think there, there is a challenge for libraries to, you know, the heads of library service to really get their seat at the table when these big discussions are. And, are yeah. And I think there's there's also a challenge that libraries will sit within a particular department within a council, but actually their impact is across the sector like there is a definite impact as you've talked about on the children's services there's a definite yeah. uh, positive impact on adult social care mm-hmm. um, libraries can play a really important part there and perhaps in, in a lot of councils don't have the prominence that they that they need in order to be all that they can be yeah exactly so I, I, yeah and li- libraries are in so many different places and there's not kind of an, an obvious place where they might be um, so sometimes they do end up wandering across yeah. uh, different areas and heads of service are often very um, canny in how to make the most of oh we've changed we're in um, children's directorate or we're in the uh, you know sometimes we're in quite odd places like the bit where you've got roads and bins and oh we'll put the libraries in there as well <laughs> yeah yeah uh, but yeah. when 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 they get it right, it means they they then use that to build a lot of allies across the across the council. But it's yeah, yeah it's, it's very hard work. But again, I think one of the things that's come out of the pandemic in many places is new and better connections across with, within councils for libraries. A lot mm-hmm. of library staff were redeployed, um, so it was a chance to use that to build those internal connections and to work with different directorates in different ways. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right that the attitude varies from council to council. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Certainly one council, the, the team at Mutual Ventures were supporting to bid for family hub development funding. Mm-hmm. So libraries is a key part of that. And mm-hmm. a key part, you know, they were bringing together um, their youth centres with their libraries, with a, a number of existing community hubs they had, mm-hmm. and trying to join them all up together under the umbrella of family hubs um mm. obviously libraries w- w- would continue to do their their usual work but they were also now a site for the delivery of the council's new family hub services as well so it was using it was making use of the physical library space and mm-hmm. appreciating that and valuing yeah. that and i think i think i mentioned this earlier just the relief that this particular council had that they kept uh-huh. libraries open yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I suspect that there are some libraries that are just more connected than others where, yeah. you know, staff really do work across directorates where there aren't so many silos. And there are some councils where 
there is a bit more silo working and a bit more heads down. This is my directorate. So, like, you know, libraries have got to navigate all of that and try and build bridges across those directorates. So, it's, yeah, yeah, it can be enormously, enormously challenging. So I'd like to talk to you a bit now about the way you have to act as that bridge between central and local. There are listeners from both central government and local government and also organisations in the third sector and organisations mm-hmm. like yourselves. And there is a lot of interest in how to create effective bridges between central government and central government policy, key mm-hmm. agencies like Arts Council England, and then what's actually happening on the ground. So mm. in, in your experience as Libraries Connected, which, as you said earlier, is a national umbrella organisation funded by Arts Council England to mm. fulfil that role. Um, how does that all work? <laughs> um, so I think, again, the, I wish we didn't have to keep going on about the pandemic, but... <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, it is it is still with us, and it it is. I mean, the the pandemic is surfacing a lot of issues and a lot of learning that maybe have been there for a long time, but um, have now been brought to the fore. So I think it's okay. But yeah, I, I, I like you. I'd love to be able to move on from constantly referencing the pandemic, but we are where we are. So, so I think for us, the pandemic meant we had to to get our act together, had to get this working properly. Um, so one thing that really, really sprang into life, we about six months before the pandemic, we'd set up an online network for heads of service, which we put a bit of effort into building and it was, you know, working quite well. But that absolutely sprang into life um, at the, at when the pandemic first hit and when we went into lockdown. It was, uh, you know, many heads of service saying, gosh, this is a complete lifeline you know, because no, nobody knew how, how, what was going to happen. Should we close our library service? Should we close our doors? What can we do? How can you do things safely? Um, so being able to share, you know, what's going on in your authority and how you're managing that, being able to share that knowledge was so important. So we suddenly had, you know, threads with hundreds of messages on it. Um, and everybody who put out a, a call for help was getting good solid advice um yeah here's my business continuity plan and here's something i've done they were getting virtual hugs there was virtual gin and chocolate tears everything happening on that um and and the heads of service said it was you know it was fantastic not to feel alone and i was really struck by this because one of my um friends works for a london borough and she's a senior person in the adult safeguarding team so my goodness what a what horrendous time she had at the you know first six months of lockdown absolutely awful um and but she didn't have a network like this so she was often having to make those decisions you know within the council on her own um without that backup so it really made me appreciate for heads of library service having this professional network of support being able to draw on their peers know what they were doing being able to reference what was happening in the authority you know similar authorities how how invaluable that was, what a difference it made um, to people. So that that network became really, really important. Um, And it's allowed us to build a really strong working relationship in and out of um, DCMS. So especially as the regulations kept changing all the time. As soon as there's any sniff of a change, we were able to discuss that with the, the libraries going, hey, guys, I think the regulations are going to change in this way. 
Um, have you got any questions? What implications are there? They were able to raise all their issues, um, you know, and sort of within an hour or a two hour, we're able to get that information back to DCNS. They could get answers to us and we could get it back. So we use that to really, really prime that that machine. Um, so I think our um, heads of service went from feeling DCMS was perhaps at times a bit remote, didn't really understand it. And now they know that the libraries team at DCMS really, really wants to listen to them, is really sort of uh, fighting their corner, really understands their needs. So totally changed that relationship, I think. It feels like we've got the machine running really well and primed. So now we're okay. What? How? How do we use it now to make sure we we can be fleet of foot to build really strong relationship with our minister um, to, and to start influencing policy, not just within DCMS, but also responding and influencing to policy in other government departments. How can our DCMS libraries team help us get in there and, and start to influence yeah. influence and get involved? No, I, I think it's a real credit to your own work and the work of your team that I certainly know from experience that you have a lot of influence within the department and um, are a really valued partner, but yet at the same time have huge credibility in the libraries world also. And that's not an easy thing to achieve, particularly in a service area that has been suffering from funding cuts the way that you've managed to kind of keep that balance of of communicating concerns of the libraries community into government mm-hmm. and then also being trusted enough to be a voice to communicate messages that government want to transmit to the libraries sector. And I think that's a really difficult role and often an underappreciated one. But, you know, if you think of what the end result of your efforts mm-hmm. is, it's the fact that we have a levelling up agenda and we have influential MPs appreciating mm. the role of libraries and yeah. pushing for a stronger role for mm. libraries when a very plausible alternative route would have been, well, we don't really need libraries anymore. They're they're antiquated. So I think you deserve huge credit for that. Oh, thank you. I, see, I think it's all the... Um, I was so lucky to work with library heads of service because they're so dedicated, so knowledgeable, so so resilient. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's incredible what they come up with day after day. So I just feel like I'm like a little piece of pipework that feeds the messages to, yeah, to yeah. I completely agree. So um Isabel, as as a final question, what bit of advice would you give to someone working in the public sector or in a charity or social enterprise who wants to make an impact in the way that I would certainly say that you and your organization have? Um, So I think it is about surrounding yourself with really good people. So I'm so lucky I've got an absolutely fantastic team. And, um, you know, it's part of one of the real joys of uh, being the first chief exec and being able to build a team. What what a lovely thing to be able to do. So we've got really fantastic colleagues, but also, as I say, it's really amazing people working in libraries, heads of service, front of house, um, you know, frontline staff, really amazing people. So I'm a real believer in, you know, spotting that talent, surround yourself with these people and make sure the spotlight is on is on them. Uh, you know, it's really important to me that our members know, not just me, Libraries Connected isn't just me, it's also Ian and Sarah and Robert and 
Tessa and Aidy, you know, every, everyone in the team and the names of all those people is known and they're really respected and, and valued as well. So I think that that's so important to show. Um, I, I really recognise that, actually, because I know in meetings we have, you very regularly include other people in, in your team. And it's quite clear that your leadership style is very inclusive and that not only makes for a more effective organization, but probably helps keep you sane as well in terms of <laughs> spreading the workload a bit as well. I think it also mirrors the library way of working. You know, libraries are about enabling and facilitating and connecting. So I think, you know, it's really important for me to have that leadership style that reflects and mirrors that and um, really values that sort of lived expertise and that knowledge that the whole, you know, the hive mind has. It's it's how I love working, actually. So, Isabel, thank you so much for your time. I've really enjoyed that conversation and hopefully people listening will now have a, a really good understanding of the hugely positive role that libraries can play in supporting communities in the levelling up agenda and as a really key part of our public service infrastructure. So many thanks for your time. Right, thank you. It's been a real pleasure. So I want to discuss a couple of key government policy areas and more specifically how libraries can play a really important supporting role. The first area is levelling up. At the time of recording, we haven't had the levelling up white paper yet, but there is a lot of talk about how levelling up needs to be about supporting people as well as the physical infrastructure of a place. And I think what you will get from the discussion with Isabel today is that libraries can play an incredibly important part embedded in communities, providing that support to allow people to get back into work, to support them as they look after children, look after members of their family, and really provide a community hub setting for a whole range of activities. And this is where Libraries also link to the idea of family hubs, which is another key government policy area. Quite a lot of councils now are exploring setting up family hubs, which are essentially a one-stop shop for families who may be struggling with one thing or another. And libraries are very important physical locations that councils can use as the spokes of the family hub network locally. Another key government policy area which um, hasn't been spoken about that much by politicians over the pandemic but has been incredibly important is the idea of digital inclusion and it's very clear to me and hopefully anybody who has listened to Isabel today that libraries play an important part in supporting people to access the internet either through attending libraries and using the computers that are available there or indeed through the device lending systems that Isabel talked about as well where you can actually take the device home and use it there. So for those of you out there who perhaps thought libraries were in a state of terminal decline I would say think again because they are going to be a very important part of the government's policy delivery infrastructure and there are certainly a lot of MPs, Danny Kruger not least, who are very supportive. So watch this space with a lot of interest. That's everything for this episode and thank you for your time. And don't forget to register on the website or follow us on Twitter or LinkedIn to make sure you never miss a future episode.